You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim and welcome to the 87th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, I have a brilliant master certified coach, Mary Allen, who is quite well known as America's inner peace coach, author of The Power of Inner Choice, and host of Conversations with the Masters. For over 23 years, her high achieving clients include business owners, entrepreneurs, moms, and even a couple billionaires. She helps people enjoy more success and inner peace. Mary offers one-on-one coaching, leads retreats, and has produced numerous home study audio programs, including Five Minutes to Inner Peace. She recently moved to Waynesville, North Carolina in the coaching industry. I can attest to the recent move because we had to wait for Mary to get somewhat unpacked before recording this interview. I'm sure she did a lot of practicing what she teaches during the challenges of moving coast to coast. Welcome, Mary, and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kim, for having me here. And thank you for your patience around our cross-country move. Oh, no worries at all. I know we have a lot we want to talk about today, so I'll just get started if that's okay with you. Absolutely. All right. So what do you think is the biggest factor that contributes to stress, frustration, and depression that most parents are completely unaware of? Well, it's the same thing. (laughs) It contributes to stress and frustration in life. And that is resistance, Mm -hmm. pushing back mentally, emotionally, even sometimes physically. Right. And when it comes to parenting, there is plenty that we can resist as parents. Right. Oh oh yeah. Right. It's like the mess. It's the chaos, the uncertainty, the worry, the fear. There's so much more to resist when you have children than just when life was before. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Multiplied exponentially. Yes. (laughs) All right. So resistance. So I'm sure you'll tell us in a little bit, some of your tips for leaning into that instead of resisting perhaps. Right. That really is the first thing is recognizing that at the heart of any stress or frustration is this thing called resistance. And then we have to get really, really curious about it to begin with and just identify it. We'll get to that. Okay. So what's the single most important relationship interfering with your inner peace when it comes to parenting and life? And you've already said, it's not what we think it is. So tell us what that is. Right. Right. Yeah. Not our relationship with ourselves, all of which, you know, and our relationships with our kids, it is a relationship with reality. Mm. And reality is simply what is. Oh, yes. What do you think is the simplest path to calming the chaos and regaining inner peace that most people ignore? Well, fortunately, it's very, very simple. It's very much just coming back to the here and the now. Because typically when we are in a moment of frustration, particularly with our kids, we want things to speed up. We want things to slow down. We want things to be different than they are. And then if we can just come back into this now moment come back to our breath, come back to being eye to eye with our child, come back to back with just the mess, or even just to get present to a tantrum or a behavior issue that's going on, or 
even to get present to whatever swirling of emotions is inside of you. Like as soon as we begin to just get present, we're already connecting to that place of awareness, which is inherently peaceful. The present moment is inherently peaceful. We're usually living more in the future or a little bit more in the past, or we're just completely resisting the present moment, right? None of which is very present. (laughs) (laughs) I know you don't just talk about parenting from a textbook. You have two beautiful twins, right? A boy and a girl. I do. And I'm going to guess that your children are not immune to tantrums at times, especially when they're younger. (laughs) Just a wild guess. Yeah. (laughs) It strikes me that at least some of our listeners might be thinking, how can that moment be peaceful in the midst of a tantrum? Right. Which is such a good question. And boy, do I have a lot of practice in this. My daughter, whose name is Shanti, which means peace, still can have a pretty epic tantrum. She's resisting her name. That's what's happening there. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it might be about accelerating her path to becoming a spiritual teacher. Of some there sort. you go. That's much right? better. Much better. <laughs> we talk about it sometimes where she's just, yeah, she's doing exactly what I've said, resisting reality. She's not getting what she wants when she wants it. She's tired. She's hungry. You know, it's like the world is not as she wants it right now. In the middle of a tantrum, the most important thing is to recognize, ah, this is going on. Of course, the impulse as a parent is to resist the tantrum, right? Because we want our kids to be well-behaved and perfect and happy and happy. And we don't want to have to like manage a tantrum, you know, usually, especially when they come up, right? It's like never a good time, but it really is about getting present and allowing what is to be okay recognizing that in the case of a tantrum, a lot of what a tantrum is, is about getting out bottled out emotions. There's so much going on. And we also know that one of the paths back to peace is by feeling your feelings fully. So a tantrum in some level is healthy for our kids because it's expressing all those bottled up emotions. We don't want the opposite, maybe more, you know, which is Let's stuff all the emotions. Let's put it down in, which leads more to depression, right? This feeling and emotion, it's depression. And of course, that's a whole epidemic in our world today with teenagers and young girls and all the way through millennials and adults, right? Absolutely. Yep. I like that reframe about tantrums and allowing the bottled up emotions to emerge because you're right. That is much healthier than the alternative. So thank you for that. And let me add this too, because even though I teach this stuff in the middle of tantrums, it's just like, and sometimes if I haven't done enough yoga, if I have not gotten enough sleep, if I've not got my veggie smoothies under my belt and I'm not finding peace in the moment or just allowing what is, I will remove myself from the situation temporarily to just get away from the stimuli, take my own few breaths, reset myself. Once I'm reset, then I'm much better able to kind of navigate the tantrum at hand, right? Absolutely. Yes. And that just speaks to how we have to take care of ourselves first and bring our best selves to the situation so that we don't make things even worse. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. When all my cohort parents would be giving their kids time out, I often gave myself time out for exactly the same reason. Exactly. Yeah, we need the reset. That's right. 
when I know that I'm about to do or say something that is going to hurt our relationship, I know it's time for me to take a break and come back more refreshed and ready to deal with the situation. You said that you have six simple questions to transform overwhelm, frustration, or turmoil in minutes. Will you tell us about those six questions? Absolutely. Absolutely. I call these six questions the inner peace reality check. In those moments when simple things like coming back to the present moment or getting in gratitude or expressing your feelings, when you're like doing all the things and it's like, man, nothing is working. (laughs) This is when you want to pull out these six questions. So as a preframe, as people are listening, they may even want to pull out a piece of paper and a pencil to jot these down. And even more importantly, as I'm going through the questions, even to think about it for yourself, like what's something right now that you're in the middle of a challenge, a problem, something that's going on, maybe with your kids, whatever the case may be. And what's really important is to write down your answers. When we do this in our head, we don't want to just answer these questions in our head. We want to make sure that we write down our answers because when we do, it allows us to get better perspective of our situation and reconnect to that place of awareness, that place of presence, which is inherently peaceful. I love that. Okay. On to the questions. Yes. Okay. So question number one is what's the reality of the situation? This might seem like, why is this such a great question? It's a really great question because whatever is going on, we need to like really take inventory of the full picture. I could take the example of a tantrum. Speaking of tantrums, when I made my notes for this call, I had just had a fresh one. So I got run through the inner peace reality check. So what's the reality in a tantrum situation? The reality is my daughter is seemingly out of control. The reality is I'm wanting her to be different. The reality is we just did a cross-country move. We've got bedtime schedules that are different. I can look and see the various things that are going on for her. Even last night, I was doing a little inner peace reality check for myself. And depending on the emotions that are stirring inside of you, you might want to get what's the reality of this moment, like this current situation. So my daughter wanted to watch television and I said, no, it might be as simple as that. What I did last night was a broader perspective because I knew I needed the broader perspective. So I I went back two months. I've done a cross-country move. We spent three weeks at my dad's. The movers were five weeks late. We've only been in the house for four weeks. We've bought 22 pieces of major furniture over these last many weeks. My daughter's starting horseback, brand new school. Like I, I just went through the list so that I could see kidding. You're feeling a little overwhelmed right now, right? I would say it's a miracle. You're still standing. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So that's the first thing we want to do is just name reality as objectively as we can. So then we get to go on to the second question, which is what am I resisting? Oh, (laughs) good one. (laughs) What am I resisting? So in the case with my daughter, what am I resisting? I'm resisting feeling incompetent as a parent. I'm resisting the noise. I'm resisting the feeling of being out of control or seeing her out of control. I'm feeling for her that way. So there's plenty to resist about the tantrum. Last night, what was I resisting? I'm resisting that it's not all done yet. 
it's never done as parents, right? Right. Absolutely. Resisting that, resisting that a lot of things are going slower than I would like. I'm resisting having to make a ton of decisions, all of which these things apply to parenting. We resist the decision-making. We resist the emotional roller coaster. That was one of the ones last night. Resisting, in a way, spending money too quickly. So it's like, I want to make the purchases, but I'm also resisting, I don't want to spend money on something that's not the right thing. Resist two polar opposites, which also happens. Was resisting feeling vulnerable, resisting asking for help, resisting my long list. So you can kind of check in and think, you know, what is it? Are you resisting self-care? Are you resisting putting in a boundary with a child and disciplining? Are we resisting giving them choice? This is why pinpointing resistance is a really rich question. You know, what is it really? I can see that it goes deep. Yeah. So then we get to go to the third question, which is what will it cost me if I keep resisting? And this question doesn't really feel that great (laughs) because it's sort of like, well, if I stay in resistance, what with my daughter, I'm going to be stuck. I'm going to feel bad and crappy. It's probably going to continue. We all know that when we're in a tantrum and we're fighting the tantrum, right? We're just pushing up against it. It's going to continue. If we take how I was feeling last night, if I continued resisting all the stuff, I'm going to continue to feel stressed and overwhelmed. I'm going to be less productive and focused. That was part of what was less good about yesterday. I really just needed a day of rest and I was resisting rest because there's so many things to do and the kids go to school and you got to rush, rush, rush. If I continue resisting, it costs inner peace. It costs my joy. It costs how I show up as a parent. I know when I'm in resistance and I'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed or any of those yucky feelings, I am not as good of a parent. I'm not as patient. I'm not as resourceful. I'm not as guided. So we got to need that question to just give ourselves leverage to make a shift. Because usually when we're in resistance, what do we want to do? We want to dig our heels in and like, no, I want it my way too. I don't want you crying. I don't want to feel this way. It's true. Yep. So then that takes us to question number four, which is what can I appreciate about the situation? Oh, now you want us to appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, exactly. And it's funny you're laughing because sometimes when I ask clients that question, it's like, what can I appreciate? It's like nothing. (laughs) I don't like the situation, but if you could appreciate something, (laughs) what would it be? Right. Okay. You know, I step into the situation with a tantrum And this is true, I think, for any moment of resistance is it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to gain fresh awareness, to look at the situation differently, to create greater intimacy with my daughter, which is almost always the case from a tantrum. We all know that usually those really difficult moments end up leading to greater intimacy when we work through them. I know you're the relationship queen, so (laughs) that's what happens. It's an opportunity to find a new solution. And if we flip over to last night's situation, it's like, what can I appreciate about that situation? Well, I thought, this is so great. I'm coming on doing a podcast tomorrow morning. I have a fresh example. How great is that? That was the first one, but what can I appreciate? I am loving our new house, loving. I'm looking out in front of me, just this stunning view of the mountains and trees. I appreciate all that is already done. Something that we often not do is 
gloss over what we've actually done, how much progress we've made, and whatever age your children are, that you've got them to this age, they're alive, they're well, you've done this far, right? Nine years or whatever, 23 years or teenage years, whatever that may be. I can appreciate just my willingness to just get up and do a new day and tackle the new situation. I can appreciate that I'm now just 30 minutes from my father, which is wonderful. And I can also appreciate all the things that didn't get damaged in the move and all of the things that aren't missing. Because one of the things I was resisting is the damaged stuff and the box that's got all my favorite pants and my favorite leggings and my favorite lounge pants, but I can flip it around. There's plenty to appreciate because really the vast majority did show up. I love that. I love the reframe of you're feeling so frustrated about something and resisting it and then finding what you can appreciate. I just think that's a beautiful question. And it's powerful because it also begins to reconnect us to that place of peace, which is more resourceful, which is where our intuition can come into play, where we can actually approach this with a fresh set of eyes. We need that question as a beginning to get out of the funk, so to speak. Yeah. I've been using a new mantra for myself since January. It's nothing happens to me. Everything happens for me. It's like your appreciation question. What is in this situation for me? It really shifts things. It takes you to a place of gratitude instead of frustration. Exactly. So we've got four questions so far. Just what's the reality of the situation? What am I resisting? Number three, what will it cost if I keep resisting? Number four, what can I appreciate about the situation? Now we go to question number five, which is, given the reality of the situation, what are my options? Super powerful question, because this is opening us up to possibility, looking at it in a brand new way. I always like to say right off the bat that two options are to do nothing. We could just sit and do, be frustrated. Sometimes we need to do that a little longer to get more leverage to say, okay, this feels crappy enough. I'm ready to make a shift. I'm yeah. ready to try something else. The other one is to keep resisting. Sometimes that's different. Resisting is full on, do nothing might just look like, yeah, I don't have the guidance yet. But then we want to get into brainstorming. Here we can go from the crazy to the practical. I did this once with a client, you know, what are your options? And it was about money. He said, well, I could rob a bank. Probably Good. not the option we're going to get to, but <laughs> in that situation, right? It's like, I could give my child up for adoption. Probably not the option you want, but sometimes it's useful just to name options so you can get perspective. In the case with my daughter, I'm like, okay, what are my options? I'm like, oh, you know, it's like, another <laughs> you would think I would have this mastered by now. I thought of, there's a great book we have called Pocket Full of Feelings, which really talks about feelings and emotions. Also made me think of a book called A Spot of Anxiety and A Spot I think it's a peaceful spot, which are great kids books that help create awareness and give them little strategies in nine-year-old, really probably anywhere from, I would say, kindergarten through even early teenage years, ways for them to deal with anxiety when it arises or all the different, they have a, a spot of anger and a spot of sadness too. So different ways to deal with emotions. I'm like, okay, that's good. Another one of my favorite, another option that came up was just making a point to have more, what I call in your face time. 
as a parent from day one, this was one of my strategies going way back to when my twins were just little newborns and I had a nanny and I'm breastfeeding and I'm coaching and running programs. But I had this thing about making time for in your face time. And that would be, even if I only had five minutes, two minutes, it was just coming in and just getting so present with each child one at a time. And I know with our kids, we are so busy these days. And of course, we've been in the move and transitioning and cross country and driving and all the things, really just stopping and taking that moment to snuggle on the couch, to go out on the trampoline. We have a new trampoline. She (laughs) loves to go on the trampoline. It just lights her up, but just being present with her and doing what she wants to do in that moment. That in your FaceTime, I believe, is one of the greatest investments that we make in our children. It puts us in the present moment, which is inherently peaceful, as long as we're not resisting. It nourishes them and it lets them know we are there. If you're not a stay-at-home mom or dad 24-7, those quality in your face moments really compound and build a strong relationship. That was another one with my daughter. It's like, okay, what are the options? All right. And then last night, just to kind of go to that situation, which was back to my overwhelm of all the move here, four weeks into our move, what are my options? First one I wrote down is I could cry. You could (laughs) release some of those emotions, right? Followed by an LOL, right? It's like, okay, perspective here. (laughs) Up the ante on self-care. That was definitely an option. A big focus for me this week. I could recommit to daily movement. I had kind of gotten away from that over these last couple months. I had been doing so well the last year and a few months. It's like, oh, I got to get back to that daily movement. I could, again, do nothing. I could keep resisting. And I think the last option I wrote in that moment was I could sleep right now and get some more sleep. So you want to just do that brainstorming for what are your options, not make anything right or wrong or like, oh, you know, that's like too much for me to handle right now. Just brainstorm, get it all out. What are your options? You could run away from home. Did you write that down? No, I I did do that with my kids one time on Mother's Day when they were just being, oh, they were just being pills and John had just gone out of town. And I did say that. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to just leave. I really stood in that question and I carried it right up until my kids started taking me seriously. And then we started talking. I'm like, well, I can stay, but there's going to be some conditions. Yeah. Sometimes even just speaking to it gives yourself permission to like, all right, you know, it is an option, but you can kind of feel into the full option that obviously you don't really want to do that. I don't know. (laughs) That leads us now to question number six, which is, of course, you and I are both coaches. It's not good enough to have options. We have to choose. So the last question is, what will you consciously choose? Take a review over all the things you just brainstormed as possible options for your situation. And look, okay, given my options, what will I consciously choose? I just pick something. It doesn't have to be the right thing. You can pick something later. I've since consciously chosen with my daughter. One option that I didn't mention earlier is just getting her some counseling to help her through some of this transition time, because I do think that's a lot of what's going on. She was having a little bit more anxiety right before we left. So we got to nip that. And of course, I did choose to go right to sleep last night and commit to more self-care for this week. 
That's great. And wonderful examples. So thank you for that. I love the tantrum example for our parents, but the other example is really for anyone who's dealing with frustration, resentment, anything like that anxiety. And the questions are beautiful questions. I really like the, what am I resisting? And then the appreciating, what can I appreciate about that? That feels like the biggest part of what's different about what you do. Let's look at the resistance and then the other one about what happens if I continue in this resistance. Another great question. I love those. Yeah. And we really need all the questions. Oh, yeah. Sometimes if you're not really in resistance and you're just in a pickle, sometimes you can go from what's the reality of the situation to, okay, what are my options? I think one time when I had run out of gas after a doctor's appointment, I'm sitting there in the parking lot. I'm like, oh, hmm, like what's the reality of the situation? You need gas to drive a car. All right, what are my options? I could call my husband or I could go take a walk to the gas station and get some gas. (laughs) Boom, done. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to take every single thing through all of those questions. If if you're not in resistance, if you're in resistance and you're not feeling good, get curious about that and try and put a name to it. Yeah, I love that. You have some musts that you talk about as it relates to parenting. I think you said there were three. Can you tell us what they are? I can. And one of them I already kind of spoke to, and that is one of the biggest musts in parenting is in your FaceTime. We have got to just be present with our kids and ideally having certain times of the day where they really get that full attention, whether it's at bedtime or that first thing in the morning or a homework time, or we do our family movie nights, which is a little bit different than in your FaceTime, but it's conscious cuddling and it's weird together as a family. It's really, really important that in your FaceTime, just always on the top. Yeah. I love that. I do in your face, if you will, grandma time, because I'm a grandma and I have kids about the age of your twins. I have them ranging from three to 14. And every year somewhere around their birthday when I'm in town, because I don't live near them, They don't get a gift from me. They get one day to spend however they want with me. Whatever they want to do, as long as it's safe, will do. When I was just in Pennsylvania, I was there for three weekends and two weeks. And I did three grandma days with three of my granddaughters. And we start at the crack of dawn and we get home. It's dark outside and we do a multitude of things, whatever it is they want to do. And it is the best time I spend. And I wished I had known to do that as a parent. So I really love that you're saying this to parents and parents, I can tell you that no matter how much time you have to invest, whether it's two minutes or a full day, whatever it is, it is going to have a big impact. It is. I don't know if you've seen the movie Yes Day recently. No. It sounds like you do a grandma yes days. Oh, yes day. Yeah. Where everything is yes. Yeah. They ask, and as long as it's safe, and then as long as it doesn't cost a million dollars, then you do it. But yes days, I love that movie. And what a great idea. You've inspired me by you doing your grandma days that we'll do probably a modified version of yes day. They saw the movie, so they got some crazy ideas. (laughs) Kids come up with some great ideas and things that I wouldn't normally think of. And because they're enjoying themselves, I love doing it too. It's a lot of fun. Some of my favorite, favorite time all year long is spending those one day. And the other thing, you know, when you have kids and you have more than one, sometimes you're dealing with them en masse. I have two boys and each of them has four children. 
when I'm at their house, I get this group of children and it's hard to get to know them individually because they're always together and there's those dynamics that happen between them. So when I get to take one and say, this day is all about you and you get to do whatever you want today. And it is, it's a yes day. I didn't know anything about that movie, but it is a yes day. You want to have ice cream for dinner? You can have ice cream for dinner. It's okay. But you can't do it every day, only on grandma day. Exactly. (laughs) Parents let you, right? But parents might say okay to that every now and then. It's fabulous. So good. So good. So you had two more. Two more. So second one is self-care. We hear that all the time, but let me frame it this way. Self-care and inner peace, like inner peace is your barometer for how well you're doing in the area of being aligned. You've got to have some core self-care basics. For me, it's my veggie smoothies, it's movement, yoga, and it's getting good sleep. When one of those gets compromised, I just know I'm not as good of a parent. My patience goes out the window and everything seems harder and I'm less flexible. So self-care for us, we've got to put that oxygen on us first. And we've heard it a million times, but I really want to challenge everyone listening here to take inventory and see what do I need to do to up my self-care right now? And do I have my core three things that will keep my self-care in check so that I can be the best parent that I can be? Beautiful. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And number three. Let's go to number three. And this is a biggie. This is, and I think this is why parenting is so hard, but it's really mastering that dance between resistance and allowing, between boundaries and freedom, between directing our children and giving them choice. And this is why parenting is so challenging because we can't just let them do whatever they want. We need to have those boundaries. We need to discipline We need to make the container safe for our children and let them know what is right for them. You can't eat ice cream for dinner every single night. They can't stay up late all night, every night. That ultimately has some bad consequences. Too much endless TV or video games and all of that. We know we need some boundaries and also we got to keep their manners in check. But at the same time, we want to empower them to make their own choices. We need to give them an opportunity to fail. A great thing in Montessori's anything that a child is capable of, they should be doing for themselves. Back in the day, it was like getting dressed, even though you and I both know it's way easier to just get them dressed and put on their shoes and socks, especially I have twins. So (laughs) the faster we get the job done, often the better, right? But really whatever they can do for themselves, they should be doing. That's sort of the trick between I'm gonna take control versus I'm gonna allow, I'm gonna empower, I'm gonna give them choices. All of that becomes easier, like how we decide when we are centered in our peace, when we can have our access to our inner guidance. Right now, it's like you and your guidance with Grandma Yes Days. You're giving them the freedom and the choice and and the empowerment, which is so good. Like riding a horse, you can't just be holding and tugging tight on the reins all the time. It's kind of give and take. You want them to do what you want, but it's a relationship too. You've got to relax as well. just being aware of the dance is a must when it comes to parenting. I agree. And would you say that that balance would be different for every parent? It's not a perfect balance that you can prescribe to all parents. It's going to be different depending on what the parents' needs are. Exactly. What the parents' needs and also some children need a little bit more structure 
yep. and rigor than choice. And it's different at different ages. Obviously, when they're super little, we're really trying to keep them super safe. And the older they get, we really need to empower our teenagers, even with driving a car and taking on extra responsibilities, even being mindful of this dance of, okay, and we have to feel into it. Do I need to give a little bit more choice here, a little more freedom? Hey, sometimes the kids make it easy. When my daughter took my backup iPhone to a sleepover, and then we discovered when I picked her up that she was trying to sneak it home and it fell out between her legs, she dropped it. That was super easy. It's a week zero television time. That's a, no, we don't ever take something that's not yours over to a slumber party. Sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's, gosh, where's the line? So we got to keep feeling into that and trusting your own guidance. I love that, Mary. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom. And I just believe that your children are so lucky to have you as a parent. Not everybody gets that. You have a lot of good guidance for parents who may be struggling. So I hope the parents that are listening have gotten what they need from this call. And if they want to follow up with you, how can they do that? You can find me at lifecoachmary.com. Come to my website. And also I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all the rest. Facebook is probably the best one. And of course, you know, my Facebook group, Inner Peace on Purpose. Yes, I do. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be interviewing Dr. Richard Doss, a clinical psychologist who helps veterans manage their experience and saves lives. I'm shifting my focus next month from parenting to mental health. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.